This is the 87th episode of Decoding Fox News, and I'm your host, Juliet Jeske. Each week, I watch and analyze. This last week, it was 15 hours of Fox News, and then break it down. I watch all the Fox News you'd never want to. Here's the headline. Fox News kinda advocated for gun reform while gleefully cheering on a war and admiring a mass shooter. I'm not kidding. And to that point, you can understand how young people get fooled when our own press refuses to describe Hamas accurately. Check out the Associated Press's topical guide to the Israeli-Hamas conflict. It notes that bitterness and anger on both sides exist, but then it claims that the term terrorism and terrorist have become politicized. Therefore, they're not using those terms to describe specific groups. Chalk up another victory for the pro-Hamas propagandists who seemed to get an assist from the White House podium yesterday. So again, this is another quick montage, brand new one, of Trey Yinkst, the Fox News war correspondent, describing Hamas and Hezbollah. We do know Hezbollah, the Lebanese militant group, continues the Hamas militants threw in a grenade. Over the weekend, Fox News exclusively obtained a video of an Israeli interrogation of one of these militants that entered. Hamas used Telegram to send updated videos in real time to show other militants and their commanders what was happening. And again, I can't tell you what we heard from this militant, from his own mouth. This community that was slaughtered by these militants, his brother was slaughtered by these militants, and his father was taken hostage. And it gives you a sense of just how indiscriminate these militants were when they entered on October 7th. Now, I cannot explain why Fox News does this. I don't know why their legitimate news uh, team uses the term militant, and then pretty much every anchor will say monster, inhuman, um, terrorist, whatever. I don't know if Fox is also selling segments to perhaps other media companies that say you have to use the term militant. I don't know what's going on because I do know that Fox has tentacles in other international markets. So I'm not sure what's happening here, but that that is consistent. I made that montage off of one quick episode, one segment from Fox and Friends. It's not at, at all difficult to find Trey Yanks saying militant. In fact, I've never heard him say terrorist unless he's quoting somebody else. So um, I'm going to keep uh, driving that one home because it drives me nuts as a journalist when I've been criticized for using the term militant. So if Fox News is using it and then Fox News criticizes journalists for using the term militant, it's just, a, a, come on, that's a take your laptop and throw it out the window moment. It really is. It really is. So anyway, last week was weird. It was strange. It looked like it was going to go one direction. Then all of a sudden Fox News just went, nope, we're changing our mind. So Fox News took a break from its nonstop bloodthirsty coverage of the war between Israel and Hamas to focus nearly every broadcast minute to the manhunt surrounding a well-trained mass shooter in Maine. The network is selective about mass shooters. In some notable cases, Fox has ignored or downplayed mass shooting events. While PBS decided to focus on the victims in the case, Fox News trotted out experts in law enforcement who almost seemed impressed with the shooter's abilities to hit two targets before seemingly disappearing without a trace. 
By Friday, the network bounced back and forth between the war and the hunt for the mass shooter. The most unexpected take was how Fox hosts and guests started to unwittingly advocate for gun control as they wondered how a man with a known history of mental illness and violence could so easily garner powerful firearms. In terms of the war, the contrast between PBS and Fox News was stark. On PBS, Palestinian fathers held dead children wrapped in body bags as mothers cried over tiny bodies crushed in rubble. On Fox, the viewer saw the destruction in Gaza from the air as entire buildings collapsed silently into pillows of dust. Fox News would show these images on one half or one third of the screen as talking heads discussed the Israeli airstrikes and strategy. There were very few visual reminders of the human cost of the war in Gaza on the Murdoch-owned media empire. Palestinians simply aren't shown often on screen unless they are members of Hamas. Meanwhile, they ignored major stories about congressional districts in two states, the extreme politics of the new Speaker of the House, and former President Trump's ever-mounting legal problems. So the shows I covered last week were Fox and Friends, The Five, and The Ingram Angle. So the, the first section here is simply called Let's Start a War with Brian Kilmeade. And Brian Kilmeade is so hawkish about so many conflicts around the world that I honestly think he could have a show. He should just rename his show. He has a show on the weekends and just call it Let's Start a War with Brian Kilmeade. And he could turn it into like a game show where he's like, should we bomb? We should bomb. And like all the answers are the same. We should bomb. You know, like you, you don't really get an option because that's kind of how he tends to see things. Um, so this segment, he's talking about recent attacks on U.S. soldiers in the Middle East. Uh, also, what's happening in the region is we're being targeted. Yep. I mean, and then they let, first they tell us, well, we've been targeted, but everything's great. Don't worry about it. One guy had a heart attack in Syria, but no big deal. Then they said, oh, by the way, these attacks have uh, caused 14 casualties, uh, two dozen American servicemen members injured in attacks in Iraq and over in Syria bases. A drone attack at a garrison in Syria injured 20 Americans. That's October 18th. So you're not being candid with us. According to the spokesperson, all affected servicemen return to duty. Still doesn't matter. Ryder says uh, the, the press secretary for the Air Force or for the Pentagon says what we're seeing is the prospect for more significant escalation against U.S. forces. Blinken has a weak response saying well, we have an option to defend ourselves while not trying to escalate the war, going out of his way to say we don't want a war with Iran, just like he says we don't want a war with China. The bottom line is they're antagonizing us. Yeah. In that region, the only thing they understand is strength. Donald Trump showed you that. Ronald Reagan showed you that. This is the way to invite more attacks. And if I'm a family member of a man or woman serving in Syria, Iraq, on a, on a battleship, on a destroyer in Yemen, I am furious that I won't let my kids defend themselves how they've been trained in a region that only understands strength. A lack of response only invites more attacks. And like you said, why are we... Now, it could also easily be argued to Brian Kilmeade that the parents of these servicemen and women do not want their children killed in an actual war in the Middle East. So I think skirmishes like this are bound to happen, but it's sort of like literally pick your battles. Like do how, you know, when to strike, when to strike back. And then ironically, right after this happened, the U.S. did strike back at an area that was controlled by Iranian militants in Syria and did some damage, but it was mostly to um, like physical damage to an area rather than 
causing a lot of human casualties. And that apparently also upset Brian Kilmeade because he was complaining about it this week. <laughs> so I'm like, I am sorry, bloodthirsty Brian Kilmeade. You would think to look at him, bloodthirsty Brian Kilmeade, you know, because he's got like, he's got, like no eyebrows, kind of goofy hair. I mean, he has eyebrows, but he has eyebrows like I do, where if you don't draw them on, they disappear in light because I mine are blonde still. So you just they're gone. If you put me in light, they're gone. I have no eyebrows. I look very Viking, very, very Nordic without makeup on. And I don't like it. I'm like, that looks creepy. I don't I need eyebrows anyway. Brian Kilmeade looks so unassuming, right? He doesn't look like a bloodthirsty killer, but there's a side of him that, again, he could start his own show called Let's Go to War with Brian Kilmeade. There, I just did it. I did it. I gave you a theme song. Don't do it, though. Please don't do it. Now, this next one is also Brian Kilmeade, and he makes a claim about some of the more aggressive pro-Palestine protests that he absolutely cannot back up. And I kind of had fun with this because I did a little research on the person he's talking about because I wasn't sure who it was. And I was like, oh, boy, we got we got an extremist. Oh, boy. Here we go. Here's the clip. We Pierce, we were talking about it was happening in the UK was the actual massacre itself. October 7th. This totally flips me out. I cannot believe at Cornell. I cannot believe at NYU. I cannot believe at, uh, at Columbia, at Princeton. And around the country, they all feel this angry and willing to attack people. And against our government and against our country's second or top friend, they're looking to turn. They have an opportunity. Uh, Ambassador Friedman said today he believes it's the Black Lives Matter people fueling this. And he thinks it's organized. Well, and about I just want to quickly point out the obvious here that Brian Kilmeade cannot back up his statement. He's using somebody's opinion to try to prove something, and that's nothing, because we all have opinions, and they're worth what they're worth. Very little at the end of the day. If you can't back up what you're saying, everybody's opinion doesn't mean much. And I would also argue that the pro-Palestinian movement has plenty of funding from various uh, wealthy Arab countries that have knowingly invested in anti-Israel um, propaganda. I'm not saying that Israel is without sin and should not be criticized, but uh, there is a well-known link between multiple wealthy Arab countries and their promotion of Hamas, their promotion of the Free Palestine Movement. Also not saying that those two things are the same. Um, I think Palestinians would be much better off without Hamas, but some money goes straight to Hamas and some goes to more like, hey, let's help out the Palestinians. It's kind of a mess. This whole thing is a mess. I hate talking about it because I'm always worried I'm going to say the wrong thing. Oh, boy. So I looked in to who this Ambassador Friedman person was. And I admit I did kind of miss some stuff because there's kind of this vortex of my brain where it was COVID grad school, <laughs> where I wasn't always paying attention to every detail. Um so I'm assuming Ambassador Friedman is David M. Friedman, the former U.S. ambassador to Israel. Now, this is crazy. Friedman worked as a bankruptcy attorney representing Trump and the Trump Organization as far back as 1994. He was also part of Trump's 2016 presidential campaign. Trump appointed Friedman as ambassador to Israel once he took office, despite Friedman's lack of diplomatic experience. Friedman was criticized for his radical views, including advocating for more Jewish settlements in the occupied West Bank, 
Long-standing U.S. policy has been to oppose Israeli settlements in the occupied territories, which the U.N. and the international community also view as unlawful. Friedman was also harshly critical of liberal Jews in the United States, who he referred to as capos, who assisted Nazis in the ghettos. Ha! Lovely man. He also called President Obama anti-Semitic and said that Israel should just annex the entire West Bank. I think it's fair to say that Friedman is should never have been an ambassador to Israel, had no business being the ambassador to Israel, was some hack bankruptcy attorney who worked for Trump, and Trump's an idiot who just appoints anybody who sucks up to him. And uh, this guy had completely radical, dangerous views about the country he was the ambassador for. Yeah, I think that's safe to say. And Brian Kilmeade, some guy saying, I bet it's Black Lives Matter, doesn't mean it's Black Lives Matter. You better find me some proof and you better pony it up before you make a claim like that. I'm going to I'm going to go out on a limb and say maybe this man might be racist. I'm just saying that maybe there might be some racism involved here that you're just making this leap to Black Lives Matter despite any evidence. So uh, Thursday, a new story broke that completely changed everything on Fox, at least last week. And that another mass shooter, which is we're over 500 this year, um, shot up a bowling alley in a bar in Lewiston, Maine, where he ended up killing 18 people while injuring 13 more. Now, I, as a habit, because I don't have an editor and nobody can tell me anything, I don't name individuals who commit heinous acts like these, as many of them seek publicity and fame. So I will just call this man the Lewiston shooter. You will hear his name in one of the media clips, but I refuse to say it. Even though police arrived on the scene almost immediately after the shooting, the man managed to get away and evade capture for a couple of days. So the network revealed that the main suspect was a white male, 40-year-old U.S. Army reservist who had weapons training, a history of domestic violence, and had been taken by police for a mental health evaluation after military officials became concerned that he was acting erratically in mid-July. The Lewiston shooter's relatives told law enforcement that he'd been hearing voices and had made threats about attacking the military base. So residents in the immediate area were told to shelter in place as the whereabouts of the killer were unknown. Fox News dedicated most of its airtime to the story, even reducing the number of commercial breaks. The network kept adding segments live from Maine that didn't offer the viewer much information, but did add a sense of panic. Over the course of two days, Fox News invited several law enforcement agents to give their expert opinion on where he might be hiding and how law enforcement could capture him. One of the experts was Tom Homan, formerly the director of ICE during the Trump administration and one of the architects of the family separation policy at the southern border. Now, this is kind of creepy. And Homan wasn't the only one that did it. The only one that didn't do it was Paul Morrow, who's a retired NYPD inspector. And he's one of their better guests. He didn't do this. But a lot of the law enforcement, and this is other people, when I posted these clips on Twitter, people also commented on it. I was like, good, I'm not crazy. Other people are seeing this. Seem to admire the shooter a little bit. I hate to say that, but we're talking about a white man military, knows how to use guns. You're going to hear it in this clip. There's a slight like, wow, he can really use those guns. Super awful. Had this man been black, had he been Muslim, had he been Latino, had he been Asian, we would not have heard that same subtle tone 
But this is Tom Homan talking about it, and then I'm going to cut to a PBS clip talking about the same incident. Well, it's going to be tough to find this guy because, you know, I'm sitting in my hotel last night with another career law enforcement officer, Mark Morgan, who, you know, we both served in the Trump administration. We're both career, career law enforcement officers. As soon as the first picture came up who the guy was, me and Mark look at each other and say, this guy's trained. Yep. He was holding the weapon the way we were trained to hold the weapon, his hand placement, his shoulder placement, yep. their get ready position. As soon as we saw the first picture, we said, this guy's trained, you know what he's doing, which, which makes him more dangerous, right? He's going to do a lot more damage than being well trained with that weapon than, than an amateur. We also both believe that this is a planned, it's a planned uh, operation. He didn't do this spur of the moment. He had a plan. He went and shot two places. He had a plan to get away. So it's going to be difficult to find him. Look, he's in a residential area. He could have took, uh, 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 went to a residential home, maybe took hostages, and, and no one knows he's there. He could be in the woods. He did he have access to another car. So do you see what I mean by a slight admiration? And I want to say that that was just one of many segments about this shooter, and they all sounded like that. It was all focused on the shooter, you know, how he handled the gun, how he held the gun, the type of scope he had where he could hide, where he had other weapons, what was his plan, shooter, 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 shooter. All of it was focused on the shooter. Now, this is PBS, and you're going to notice a huge difference in how they cover the same story. Nearly 24 hours after a man opened fire with an AR-15-style rifle at a bowling alley and restaurant in Lewiston, Maine, the sprawling manhunt is growing for the shooter. Police say 40-year-old Robert Card is a person of interest and remains armed and dangerous. Investigators are still trying to piece together what happened, and many questions remain. Several of the deceased have been identified, and their families next of kin have been notified. Uh, approximately eight people at this point have been identified. Ten people, ten of these victims, still need to be identified at this time. Maine's Governor Janet Mills said it was a dark day for her state. This city did not deserve this terrible assault on its citizens on its peace of mind, <clears throat> on its sense of security. Just before 7 p.m. last night, that assault began inside the Just-In-Time Bowling Center, sending people scrambling for safety. Nine-year-old Zoe Levesque was also there with her mother and was grazed by a bullet. Just like shocking, like it's something that you'd think would never happen. I never thought I'd grow up and get a bullet in my leg. Why? Like, why do people do this? Now, here's a quick breakdown of how PBS handled this. You start first with victims. How many are there who've been contacted? We talk to the head of police. Then we hear a statement from the governor of Maine. Then we move on to a brief overview of this is what happened. This is a ba the basics of the crime. And then we talk to a victim. It's actually two victims. I had to cut one out for time. We had a witness and then a victim. So you go, okay, PBS is already showing you this is affecting a community. This is affecting a state. These are human beings that died. Meanwhile, Fox had former law enforcement agent uh, go on and on and on about, oh, this guy's a gun expert. Let's look at a picture of him again. There's a picture of him holding the gun. Look, he's holding the gun. He's not pulling the trigger. And he's got the gun in the right placement of his shoulder. And he's got this $2,000 scope. And he owns a jet ski. And he owns a boat. And this is where he lives. And he has two ex-wives. And they're in hiding right now. And we think he was trying to get his ex-girlfriend. And it's just like one right after the other, right after the other. All this biographical information about this man sort of let's show his face again and i'm just screaming 
This is exactly why we keep having mass shootings. It's the guns, the fact that you can get a gun so easily in many parts of this country with very little effort, just get enough money together and you can probably get a gun. You can get a gun illegally, you can get a gun. It's no problem. We have more guns than people in the United States. It's absolute madness. So yes, it's the guns, but it's also the fact that some media outlets, I'd say most, totally handle these the wrong way. These incidents the wrong way. They just keep talking about the shooter. They put the picture up with, let's do an analysis of his background and his family. It's almost always a man, not always, but it's almost always a man or a, or a boy or a teenager. And it's like this total obsessive and somebody who's unhinged, who thinks, yeah, I want to go out with a blaze of glory is watching this thinking that next one will be me. And they'll talk about how nobody was fair to me when I was a child or my parents were abusive or I was misunderstood or I was bullied or women didn't like me or whatever. And, and they'll talk about my hobbies and how, you know, my poetry, maybe they'll read my manifesto. Maybe they'll publish my manifesto and put that on YouTube or put that on, I'll, I'll, I'll go in chat rooms and, you know, I'll live in infamy. And that's exactly what happens. And Fox is part of the problem because all they did was obsess about the shooter. And I mean, I've had people argue with me on this. They, they think that, um, no, we need to keep doing this. And I'm like, I don't think we do. I don't think we need to have these exposés about these people's lives they go into like multiple episodes where we explore everything about them and interview their childhood friends and interview their parents and interview their spouses and oh why did they do it because it's always the same damn story i'm like what are we doing we're not learning anything this is not stopping we're just giving these people attention and they become like the shooter of the month and then we move on to the next one it's it's I, i'm just sorry i can't this next section is simply called fox news host make a bunch of dumb comments about guns <laughs> And there you are. And this is the first the first clip is, I think, funny because it's Jesse Waters. So there you go. Uh, Jesse, a growing number of American Jews are uh, taking courses on firearm safety, going to shooting ranges around the country as they fear for their safety. I think every American should do that. <laughs> Hispanic, black, Jewish, whoever, go get trained up. Yep. I certainly have been. So who out there listening to this podcast thinks an armed Jesse Waters is a good idea? I don't think he's going to shoot anybody out of, you know, anger. I just see him kind of accidentally shooting himself or like accidentally shooting an object, having it ricochet and then like hit himself in the head or something. Not kill himself, but you know, it's Jesse Waters. Come on. Now this next clip needs a little bit of setup. This is Piers Morgan, who was guest hosting on The Five. You don't normally hear him, so I need to introduce him a little bit. He's talking about a type of chocolate kinder eggs, surprise eggs, that are illegal in the United States because they're considered a choking hazard. That's called a kinder chocolate surprise egg. You're a country of many freedoms and many regulations. How about regulating guns in the way that you do kinder surprise chocolate eggs? Okay. With, respect, with, with respect, do forks make people fat? Uh, yeah. Okay. No. <laughs> Well, they do. They do, don't they? Guns don't kill people. They do. People kill people. G guns also Forks kill people. don't make you fat, Pierce. Guns do kill people. Forks don't make you fat. Well, who could argue with that genius logic of Jesse Waters there? Who could argue with that? Brilliance. Brilliant, brilliant mind of a man who I really do seriously suspect is challenged by, like, shoe tying. I think, it's, I think he might hire someone to tie his shoes. I'm not kidding. 
Jump in, Brian. You need a weapon, and maybe you need an AR-15, because you have to have something semi-automatic, and you have to have something accurate. Again, the brilliant mind of Jesse Waters. You can't have another type of gun. No, you need an AR-15, something that's insanely destructive to the human body and something that's insanely dangerous to someone who doesn't know what they're doing with a gun, which I would argue would be an AR-15. And why do so many of these men, I mean, just uh, the easiest question to ask them is, how, and nobody ever does this, of course, on Fox. And I, Pierce Morgan was almost there. He was almost there. Just say this. Why does this not happen in any other country? Please explain. Why does this phenomena of mass shootings not happen in any other country with great regularity? Does not happen. Canada has a lot of guns. Switzerland has a lot of guns. There are other countries that have a lot of guns, yet this does not happen. Why does this not happen? I think it's partly because of the media hyping this stuff up, making these guys into antiheroes for a few days. And I think it's also partly due to the fact that we have like no regulation whatsoever on guns. Very, very little regulation on guns. People have stopped listening. They're like, I'm sick of li listening to this woman talk. She's just talking about stuff. And I, I don't need to hear it. That's my that's my annoyed voice of people who are just annoyed with my podcast who are from the Midwest, where I'm from. Again, before I get any angry emails about me making fun of people that I am. I'm making fun of myself when I do a Midwestern accent. Anyway... Who pays for decoding Fox News? That would be the listeners of this podcast and the readers of my newsletter. What is the newsletter, you may ask? The newsletter is the written version of this podcast that is complete with hyperlinks that will take you to sources that I have used to back up the things that I say in the newsletter. If you'd like to see the newsletter, you can go to Substack for Decoding Fox News. You can become a paid subscriber there if you'd like for $5 a month. I also have supporters over at Patreon. So you can go to Patreon for Decoding Fox News and there's a little dollar sign next to my name on Twitter. If you wanna do a one-time donation, I do not have a large donor. I do not have a grant anymore, and I do not have any sort of sponsor of any kind. I'm doing this totally the hard way. So thank you so much. If you are a sponsor, I appreciate it greatly. And we will go right back to the podcast. So next up, we this was fascinating. I just sat back going, wow, do they even know what they're saying? So at this point, the Fox News hosts started unwittingly endorsing federal gun control laws. I'm not kidding. Now, the first clip is everybody's favorite again, Judge Jeanine Pirro. What America has to do is we have to start making sure that people who get guns are not mentally unfit to have them. So that sounds a lot like a red flag law there, Judge Jeanine. Now, this next one is Tom Homan, who goes much farther. This country has a mental health problem. We know that. There's no plan to deal with it. 45 CFR, 45 the Code of Federal Regulations talks about when a medical professional can uh, uh, communicate with law enforcement that guy may be a danger. But the problem is every state has their own laws. Right. Some states have a red flag law, some have a yellow flag law. Maine, I think, is a yellow flag law state. So every state handles this differently. There's no clear, precise nationwide plan how to deal with a, with a mental case that has access to weapons and may be seen dangerous to the public and may do something, you know, very, you know, very violent. I don't like the fact if someone's involuntarily committed to a mental institution and no one initiates the process to take away his firearms. That is insane to me. And whoever didn't initiate that process to take this guy's firearms away has blood on their hands. And we don't know a lot about what's going on right now, but that right there is your patriotic duty.
If you're sending someone to a mental institution for two weeks because they're saying they're hearing voices and because they're going to shoot up an army base, they have to make that known to the right authorities so they strip this guy of his weapon so everybody can be safe. Now, if I turned to any three of those individuals and said, do you realize you were just advocating for gun control? They'd say, no, I wasn't. I don't believe in gun control. I'm all for the Second Amendment. I could play back their statements and they'd still deny it. But all three of them, in some way, Tom Homan being the most, he was basically saying we need a federal law about how to deal with mentally ill people who have problems with violence, who have made threats so they can't get a gun. Right? Unbelievable. Just, just all telling on themselves with that one. So this next one is just funny. I think it's funny. This is Jesse Waters. A little bit of background on Jesse Waters. He is from the suburbs of Philadelphia. He's worked for Fox his entire life. He currently lives in the suburbs of New Jersey. He has a back injury that was so bad it required surgery, and he has to sit with a special pillow. He's talked about this pillow. He's talked about his back injury and how he has chronic pain and all these problems with his back. Now, this is what he says about the mass shooter, and I simply called this Jesse Waters has no idea what he's talking about. Fortunately, Jesse, this person has not been found. Yeah, he either swallowed a bullet or he's hiding in a cabin or he's in Canada. He's very well trained. He's a professional killer. You can tell by his posture and his... This guy is probably going to be, I'd say, maybe a month in the woods. Remember Rudolph? Remember he just basically disappeared and then he got greedy and was dumpster diving? This guy is going to probably run out of bullets because you can only kill so many deer. You can only fish so many fish, and it's just going to be a waiting game. But he knows the terrain. He knows all the contours. We talk to people. He knows where to hunt. And he probably goes north or west because if you go south or east, yeah. east you're going to the ocean, south you're basically going deep into Massachusetts. So he's probably west. And I think this guy might be in a small cabin somewhere, maybe in a sniper position, has the place booby-trapped. He moves around at night. But the guys have all the toys out. They have the, the heat-seeking sensory technology from the helicopters. So it's just going to be a waiting game. And there's a lot of variables. The guy's got a motorcycle. He's got a jet ski. He's got a property here. He's got a, he's got a house. There... I don't, I don't want to say anything about the main law enforcement situation, but these guys only have 17 men in that district. And so they're bringing in the heavy artillery from the south. The guys from the south and the FBI, they don't know the terrain either. Yeah. So this guy could be out there for a long time. The leaves time. are still on the trees. This is really thick wilderness. So much stupid in that statement. So he has no, he has no idea what he's talking about. He's not a wilderness expert. He cannot survive in the wilderness because he needs his little pillow. Needs his little pillow. I'm telling, this is just madness. I'm just screaming, like, what are you talking about? Heat seeking. He can't go east because that's the ocean. He can't go south because that would be Massachusetts. So he's got to go north. He's got to go north maybe to Canada. Canada's like 100 miles away. He's got to maybe go west. He owns property. Don't you think the cops would be at the property, you dumbass? And then he's like, oh, he's got a jet ski. He's got a, he's got a jet ski. Okay, let's picture it. Let's picture it. It's, it's fall. And a white man with a gun strapped on his back is on a jet ski. Little conspicuous, isn't it? Little conspicuous to take a jet ski 
on a lake or a river. Look at me on my jet ski, kind of causing a commotion over here. They're loud. They make noise. They, they spray a lot of water. Not exactly a subtle thing to move in. The other thing is that the police at this point had already said the shelter in place, like warning, was, was off. Don't worry, guys. Nobody has to shelter in place anymore, uh, residents of Maine. The police had already said this, which is a hint, Jesse Waters, that they thought the guy was dead. And then two hours later, roughly, they're like, yeah, the guy's dead. We found his body. Jesse Waters, just stop. You can only shoot so many deer. You can only kill so many fish. And he's going to run out of ammo. Just stop with your stupid white male fantasies. And again, somebody pointed out, sounds like he admires him. And I'm like, yeah, I heard that tone too. And it creeped me out. It creeped me out. Okay, next one. This one's funny. Now, there, I always save the funny ones for later. So Michael Cohen, Trump's former lawyer, who's kind of a character himself, who has his own podcast called Mea Culpa. And if you've heard it, when I was in grad school, I was like, this is kind of like everything you're not supposed to do in a podcast. And he's doing it all at once. And it's kind of amazing because <laughs> it's him like screaming a lot and, and, and complaining about Trump. So it's entertaining in some ways, but it's, it's very sloppily done. And I say this as someone making a podcast from my apartment on a laptop. <laughs> but his is like, there's music in it. He's just like, it's Maya Culpa with Michael Cohen. And it's like, it's. Yeah, he's kind of like with Judge Janine, the level of like, okay, you're a cartoon and we're going to just sit back and listen to you. But I love him because he's very anti-Trump. He hates Trump. So we tip of the hat, Michael Cohen, total character. Because I remember when he supported Trump and he's like, what about it? How are you saying that about Trump? Anyway, that's my bad Michael Cohen impression. But anyway, so Michael Cohen testified at the civil fraud trial that Trump is facing in New York State. This is how Fox covered it. This is the only segment they had on it. Only segment. It was only three minutes long. I cut it down to like two so I could stick it on Twitter. And I just sat back and went, this is, again, I use the term bonkers a lot. This is bonkers. Because this is, this is actually a serious story, but this is how Fox News covered it. This is from The Five. Apparently, Cohen said that President Trump would arbitrarily set net worth numbers. Is that a crime, though? Well, I mean, it's part of the fraud allegation that they um, yeah, committed fraud by increasing the amount, the, uh, the uh, uh, value of their properties. Look, th this is Michael Cohen right now is completing his contract with the feds. Okay, his contract with the feds was he got X amount of time for being a convicted serial liar, and nobody can deny that. Um, and so he has to, you know, cooperate in accordance with that deal. So he's going to go in there and say whatever he has to because he knows if he doesn't comply with whatever the plea deal was that he got that they can charge him again. Piers, what do you think? I did have to laugh when I heard Trump saying, you know, it's disgusting, he's a terrible liar. <laughs> I was like, it must be awful for Donald to come up against a terrible liar. Uh, I also think that Trump might be losing it. I hate to say this, but in the last three weeks, he's called Biden Obama. Uh, yesterday, he said that Hungary's Prime Minister, Viktor Orban, was leader of Turkey. He now said today that Cohen is looking for a better plea deal. Cohen's done time. He's done. Dusted. No, 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 no. But there's some. There is truth to that because is he, is, he is completing his right. contract with the uh, yeah. with the feds. I know, but look, Jesse. I, 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 I get Obama and Biden confused all the time. I mean, just look around. <laughs> it's a mess, Piers. 
I'm convinced the sketch artist has the hots for Trump. Now, at this point, I should inform you that they started showing the sketches from court on the screen, like on half the screen, part of the screen, and they all started talking about the sketch artist. Mm -hmm. Every time you see him, he looks like a statue. And look at Cohen. Yeah. He yeah. looks like he got beaten with a hammer. Although his chin looks decent, you know, but I see what you mean. The Trump one is pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, can't lose. Don't draw, don't draw me in a bad way. Yeah. Please. Can you put up, uh, put up Cohen again? You know, I'm trying to figure out who he looks like in that sketch. He either looks like Ash from Evil Dead 2 after he becomes possessed by a demon. Or Boris Karloff's Frankenstein after he farted. Oh, yeah, that was That's a good one, actually. Yeah. Oh, oh, look at that one. It looks yeah. like Cousin Ed. Oh, yeah. No love lost, indeed. Yeah. Hard-hitting right. analysis. So Fox News, for the most part, doesn't mention it when Trump has these various legal problems. They have not brought up, in any of the shows that I've watched, maybe Brett Baer has, but none of the shows that I've watched have they mentioned... Sidney Powell pleading guilty, or Cheeseboro pleading guilty, or Jenna Ellis pleading guilty. They just don't talk about it. Didn't happen. Don't mention it. They haven't mentioned um, the fact that he got $10,000. He got $10,000 for violating the gag order. They don't mention it. They just don't mention it. They're just like, oh, yeah, Trump. We love Trump. And they've been, this week, although I don't want to get two weeks confused, they've been really hitting hard the, the we love Trump nonsense. Um, so I just, and I love how Piers Morgan basically goes, yeah, he's kind of losing his mind. And they just completely like laugh that off. I also want to point out that my sister took, I told my sister about this clip and she goes, yeah, Judge Ginny, no, that's not true. There's no contract. Yes and no. My sister, who's a criminal defense attorney, would, would strongly disagree with Judge Piero's assessment that he has to somehow do this as part of his contract. No, he agreed that he would testify against Trump. I think he's highly motivated to uh, testify against Trump. He hates Trump. I don't think this has really anything to do with that. Um, but anyway, uh, pretty funny how they just reduce it to like a joke about the sketch artist. I'm like, oh, isn't this hilarious? I'm like, okay. Now, this is not a criminal trial. It's a civil trial. But this could be the end of the Trump real estate empire as we know it, in New York at least. Now, I also want to just say very briefly... Um, for for just fun, look up the top 10 property owners in New York City. Trump's not on it, and he's he's not even close. Um, Columbia University and NYU own far more property than he does, as, as well as a bunch of other huge real estate development uh, companies and families that own a lot more. Trump is really not, like he acts like, they act on Fox like he's this huge big deal. Part of his myth is he's this like mega real estate developer in new york and it's just not the case he's one but there's there's plenty that are much much bigger than him so this last media clip is unrelated to the previous ones but i wanted to include it because it's sort of a classic fox news move of having a story about one topic and then just needlessly with no real reason slipping in another topic because that's what you want to promote and this is a topic that would this story would scare most fox news viewers it's a heinous act it's terrifying the uh young men that committed this act are probably at least one of them is probably a sociopath somebody who doesn't have empathy doesn't seem to have empathy in any of the clips they showed of the crime what happened were two teenagers stole a car they drove around las vegas they hit one cyclist and badly injured him they hit another cyclist and killed him and in the dash cam footage 
um, which they probably didn't realize. They were filming it themselves, but then they were also sort of being filmed in the car and they didn't realize it. They are openly saying like, yeah, we're going to go, we're going to hit that guy. Let's go hit that guy. Like they don't, they don't care. And when they hit him and he falls over and he's dead, they don't care. They just keep going. They got picked up right away. Um, they're currently in jail. Uh, they showed them at their court appearance and they were making obscene gestures to the family, laughing, joking about it. They have no idea that they're about to probably spend the rest of their life in prison because they're both being tried as adults. Both Americans speak with no, they, neither one of them s spoke with an accent. Now, we don't know their names because that's being withheld because of their age. But this is how Laura Ingram spun this story. It's just, I just, my jaw dropped. I said, you've got to be kidding me. She had on Randy Sutton. He's been on before. He's a retired Las Vegas police lieutenant. And he's a perfect guest for this. And he's talking about this. He's talking about the two young suspects. And then she just takes it on a pivot to a completely different topic. We need to guard ourselves against. I just pray that they are never unleashed on humankind again. Because once they have displayed this behavior, they're not going back. Well, Randy, I hate to say it, we have a lot of uh, young people coming across our border with no parents, no guidance, no father figures. I think we have a powder keg in this country right now, and this this is just the tip of the iceberg. I'm sorry to sorry to say, but Randy, thank you. So yes, even Laura Ingram's guest looked a little confused by her comment. He just kind of made a face and was like, "Okay, thanks." Because her comment had absolutely nothing to do with the story. And the story's horrifying enough. You don't need to add another layer to it. But she just couldn't help herself. Had to get in the border crisis and xenophobia. And got to be terrified of those immigrants. Even though it appeared that these two young men were Americans. Okay. So I got to do a Judge Jeanine because I haven't done one. And I don't want to get an email. And uh, so very quickly. So it's Halloween. Which is one of those Halloween holidays where I take my favorite standard poodle, Stella, and I dress her up as a flower because she's my flower. And I'm going to dye her pink. And don't you dare give me grief about it. I was a judge. Who should know better about dyeing their dog pink but me? And Greg Gutfeld's going to go as a worm because that's what he is. Shut up, I'm going to throw a pen. I'm lick. I threw a pen. I don't want to hear it. You better have a box of white Z, okay? Just give me a box of white Z. Everything's going to be fine. Candy, you, I got it. My favorite York peppermint patties and the two, pack of, two packs of the Oreos. I got a sweet tooth. I'm Judge Janine. Those are her favorite candies. I'm not kidding. It's Oreos and York peppermint patties. Somebody gave her, like, a free box of York peppermint patties. They left it at her gate, at her home, at her estate, somewhere in upstate New York. Probably Westchester, not upstate. But anyway, somebody gave her a box of York peppermint patties, and she ate them. And she talked about it on, on camera, and everybody was, like, horrified. They're like, someone's going to poison you. And she's like, they were in a package. And I was like, I kind of, you know, tip of the hat, Judge Jeanine, for being that insane. Okay, so... This is stories Fox News ignored every week. I compared the hours I've analyzed in Fox News with five hours of the PBS NewsHour. The following is a list of stories PBS covered that Fox News did not. Ukrainians protested against their own government, asking for an 18-month cap on mandatory military service. 
Chinese ships blocked and collided with two Filipino vessels off a contested area in the South China Sea. The United States renewed a warning that it will defend the Philippines in case of an armed attack under a 1951 treaty. Argentina's economy minister and an anti-establishment right-wing populist will face off in a presidential runoff next month. China removed Defense Minister Li Shangfu after a two-month disappearance. There was no official explanation why he was removed from office. PBS produced a segment about how some universities are ending the practice of legacy admissions. The policy gave the children of alumni preferential treatment in the admissions process. The movement to end legacy admissions picked up steam after the Supreme Court ruled against affirmative action programs in higher education. 41 U.S. states, along with the District of Columbia, have sued Meta, alleging that the tech giant harms children by building addictive features into Instagram and Facebook. Women in Iceland, including the female prime minister, staged a 24-hour strike over gender inequality. The judge in the civil fraud trial of former President Donald J. Trump fined Trump $10,000 for violating a gag order over comments Trump's made outside the courtroom. The judge in the civil trial fraud of former President Donald J. Trump also ruled that Trump's daughter, Ivanka Trump, must testify in the case against her father's company, along with her brothers Donald J. Trump and Eric Trump. The judge also set a date of November 6th when Donald J. Trump is set to testify. The Federation Council, the upper house of the Russian parliament, has unanimously voted to revoke its ratification of the Comprehensive Nuclear Test Ban Treaty, CTBT. PBS produced a segment as part of its series, America at a Crossroads, that focused on historian Heather Cox Richardson's analysis about the historical context of today's political divisions. Richard Roundtree, a black actor best known for his role in the 1971 film Shaft, died of pancreatic cancer at the age of 81. He also had 150 movie and TV credits, ranging from Roots to Desperate Housewives to Being Mary Jane. Since October 22nd, about 360 St. Lawrence Seaway workers have been on strike in Canada, shutting down a shipping route between Lake Erie and Montreal that connects the Atlantic Ocean and the Great Lakes. Pakistan has set up deportation centers, which are part of the country's efforts to expel foreigners without registration or documents. Most of the undocumented immigrants, about 1.7 million people, have fled from Afghanistan. Last week, the Chinese foreign minister met with Secretary of State Antony Blinken and then, by the White House, met with President Biden. The U.S. economy grew at a robust rate of 4.9 percent in the third quarter. The Commerce Department reported economists were expecting a 4.2 percent rate. The growth largely came from consumer spending despite high inflation and interest rates. A federal judge tossed out the latest congressional map in Georgia and ordered the state to redraw districts for the 2024 election. The judge ruled that current Republican-backed plan illegally diluted black votes in violation of the Voting Rights Act. Legislatures in North Carolina redrew its congressional districts in a way that heavily favors Republicans. Most experts anticipate legal challenges to the new gerrymandered districts. Representative George Santos of New York pleaded not guilty to criminal charges contained in an indictment that accused him of stealing people's identities, making charges on his donors' credit cards without their authorization, 
and lying to federal election officials. The new Speaker of the House, Representative Mike Johnson of Louisiana, said he wouldn't abandon funding for Ukraine, but wanted to send aid to Israel first. Representative Dean Phillips of Minnesota announced he would challenge President Biden in the Democratic primary for the 2024 presidential election. Phillips has only been in the White House since 2019. So the next section is by the numbers where I compare the top five topics for Fox News to the top five topics for the PBS NewsHour. So this past week, Fox went 59% for the Israel-Hamas war, 26% for the mass shooting in Maine, 5% general Biden bashing, 2% one more thing, which is a really stupid segment at the end of the five, and then 1%, this kind of made me laugh, for Speaker of the House. For PBS NewsHour, top five topics for the week ending um, December 29th, 2023, 37% for the israel Hamas war, 8% for author profile, 6% for the Speaker of the House, 6% for mass shooting in Maine, and 6% for artist profile. Artist profile could be any number of things. Author profile or people promoting books. They have those so frequently. They have their own category. Um, and then words used on Fox for the week ending December 29th, 2023. Israel. The past two weeks, it's been over 1,000. This past week, it was 611, so a dramatic drop. Hamas, 305. Gaza, 241. Biden, 157. Iran, 151. Maine, 102. Guns, 100. Border, 97. Trump, 71. China, Chinese, 48. Crime, 30. Shooter, 21. Militant, 18. Hunter, 7. So yes, Hunter Biden still came up. Inflation, six, mental illness, two. And then just for the heck of it, I checked for gag order, and that would be zero. So that's the end of the podcast. If you'd like to become a paid subscriber, I'd really appreciate it at uh, Substack for Decoding Fox News, my Patreon for Decoding Fox News. The mascots send their love, Odin and Thor, my cats. And I will see you at the next podcast. Thanks for listening.